It's a great blessing to be here with you this morning. Um, thankful that we have the opportunity to be here and the opportunity to study God's word together. Before we get started, I want to thank you all for your prayers for our, uh, my family over the last uh, week or so with the passing of Peggy and pray that, um, you know, she was married to my grandfather for 14 years and there's some in this room that have known her much longer than that and uh, cherished her as well. So keep her family and friends in your prayers, particularly my grandpa as we figure out uh, what life is going to uh, be like for him after her passing. And uh, he's got uh, a lot of heart problems and his Parkinson's is getting worse and worse. So he definitely needs our prayer and support as well. So please keep him in mind as, uh, as he moves on. So uh, with those things aside, I'm, I'm excited to study the Word of God with you this morning. And uh, the topic this morning might already be on your mind because of the song selections. And thank you guys for sharing those songs. But I'd like to talk about the star, that star of Bethlehem that we read about this time of year. In Matthew chapter 2, we read, Now Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. You know, God chose to welcome the birth of Jesus with this star. And the star was a sign of, of, uh, that a king was born, it says to these men. And I'm not necessarily going to talk about the details of of this star that appeared on the night of Jesus' birth, but I'd like to talk about Jesus being referred to as a star. You know, this was not something by accident. God chose to do this, and it really beckons back to a lot of prophecies of Jesus and things that Jesus said about himself as well. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Jesus calls himself the bright and morning star. You know, this is the, uh, there's a lot of names for Jesus in the Bible. I think there's over a hundred probably names that refer to Jesus or reflect something about Jesus. But this is the last name that Jesus speaks himself. It says, I am. Jesus says, I am the bright and morning star. Now, what does this really doing in Revelation? Um, you know, what, what does that really, uh, the, the context of this passage, when Jesus felt the need to say, I've said these things and I am the bright and morning star, what was he trying to say when he got that across? Well, this uh, revelation, reading and in, in starting in verse 1, it said, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bare record of the word of God and saw the testimony of Jesus Christ and all the things that he saw. So, needless to say, the book of Revelation uh, has various understandings among the world, doesn't it? People uh, interpret many things in there different ways. Some people think it's talking about things in the far future. Some people think it's talking about things that have already happened. And uh, I think like many of the scriptures and many of the prophecies we read, it's talking about what is happening, what has happened, and what's going to happen in the future. It's really talking about everything. But he says to these people here, this is probably around 60 years after the death of Jesus, he's telling to my churches, to my church here in the world, he's saying these things. And he says, I give this message through John, and it says, given by the authority of the angel. So it's signed by this angel. 
Well, notice what we just read before. Jesus sent my angel to testify to you these things. And the church, he's saying, I'm the one that sent this angel. He's certifying. He says, these are not just the words of some angel. These are, the, these are my words, is what Jesus is saying. This is my vision I've given unto him, who bear record of the word of God and saw the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things he saw. Jesus is giving a message to his people here. He's giving a message to his church, and I think a message to us as well when he gives the book of Revelation. When we look at what it's about, there's a lot of imagery, but we know that these people that received this book were suffering people, weren't they? Just short time after Jesus had been crucified, these people are facing fierce persecution. We see some imagery of this in Revelation 6, verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, he saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? He refers to these people who are suffering for the word of God. And he said, These people look and they say, How long? This blood has not been avenged. When are you going to come back and make this right? When are you going to take care of this? These people were suffering. Certainly here, just a couple of years after Jesus died, people were dying at the hands of the Roman Empire, weren't they? They were dying for standing up for the faith. People have been persecuted for many years. Ever since the gospel was set forth, people have been persecuted for that. You know, we, we don't face the type of persecution that these folks did, but Jesus knew he was talking to a persecuted people that might be tempted to look to God and say, how long, when is the end? <laughs> when is this going to be over? When are you going to set everything straight? When are things going to be good? And he answers that in Revelation 22, the very last chapter of the Bible. And what a powerful scene it is. I feel like this is just, um, when you read this, this is the culmination of the story of Jesus and Jesus truly coming into his own rightful glory and power, what he deserves, what is his right. He is God and he talks in those language. He starts by encouraging people in verse one, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the lamb. He talks about Jesus at the throne of God and he starts painting this beautiful scene here at this throne of God in this vision. In verse 7, he says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Verse 14, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that though they might have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. He's giving blessing to his people. He's saying, I know that things are hard. I know that people are dying for the cause of Christ, but he paints the picture, doesn't he? This is what we're working towards. He's, he encourages them. He blesses them. You, will, you are a blessed people. This is what you have to look forward to. And in verse 16 is when he, he says the thing that we just read. Jesus, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you of these things and the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bride and morning star. Jesus is trying here to provide a blessing and he's trying to provide hope to people who are hurting. You know, people are hurting today, don't you think? Don't people hurt today as they seek to live a godly life? Certainly we have abundant blessings, but we find ourselves persecuted at times. We find ourselves struggling against sin, and we need blessing and encouragement. That's what Jesus was providing for his people here. 
And the first thing he says, we have to dig into the first part there too. So not only is Jesus saying, this is my message. It's not something that was made up. It's not something that a crazy person said, which is what a lot of people think when they read through the book of Revelation for the first time. But Jesus says, this is my message. I have certified it. I have set these things forth. He says, I've said these things. And he says, I am first the root and the offspring of David. Now, why was it important for him to say that he was the root and the offspring of David? Now, David would have been one of Jesus' ancestors probably about a thousand years before Jesus. So he says, I'm the root and the offspring of David. That's kind of a weird thing to say, isn't it? He's saying, David came from me and I came from David. Does that seem contradictory? (laughs) It would to people who are not people of God. You see, Jesus is saying a very powerful thing here. He's saying, I am the creator. And just a couple of verses before this, he calls himself the Alpha and the Omega. We like to quote that one a lot. What power is in that to say, I'm from the beginning and the end? He says, I was in the beginning. I created, I am the root of David. But I also, as the prophecies have said, am the offspring of David. He's referring to a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his root. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You know, you could say, well, is this just talking about David? Is this talking about Jesus? Again, a lot of these passages we read in Isaiah and Revelation is talking about things that have happened, things that are happening right now, and things that are happening in the future. They really, uh, there's lots of layers to these passages, but he's saying this, uh, in this prophecy, that there's going to be someone come out of the stem of Jesse being David's father. In Isaiah 11:10, and that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people, to it shall the Gentiles seek, and the rest shall, and his rest shall be glorious. He's prophesying this Messiah to come, and when he says this in Revelation, he's saying, I am fulfilling that prophecy. It's so important, even at the beginning of the New Testament, we see that he mentions his lineage, doesn't he? The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. He knew that this, generation, uh, this genealogy was important. We remember the the promise of the seed of David as we just read, but also the promise of the seed of Abraham. Abraham had a promise that uh, he would have land, that he would have a nation, that his seed would be blessed. Abraham had those promises as well. So when Jesus says that he is the root and the offspring of David, he's saying not only am I the creator, but I am the prophesied Messiah. I am the one. We've read all these prophecies. We've seen them come true. And you can trust that the prophecies have come true. I did come to this earth. I did die. And I was risen the third day. Jesus is proclaiming his gospel in this statement. He's saying that he is who he says he is. He's defining himself there. He's trying to bless his people when he says these things. So not only am I the root and the offspring of David, but I'm the bright and morning star. So when we talk about the morning star, that's referring to uh, the star Venus. So whenever the sun rises, the last star there, the, the star Venus, is visible in the east. So really, it's, it's a beautiful imagery that he provides that Venus is there, and Venus is kind of a symbol of a new day coming, a new dawn coming. It's at the beginning of the day. Now, this was a very powerful symbol for a lot of people. Uh, pretty much every Eastern uh, religion used Venus as a god. Um, you know, you can look at Greeks, you can look at the Babylonians, you can look at the 
Canaanite pagans, you can look at any pagan religion and they've probably worshiped Venus, this morning light. Now, um, it's really kind of, uh, when, he, when he says this, it's also uh, kind of confused by some people. Some people will say this is a biblical contradiction calling Jesus the morning star because of another passage in Isaiah chapter 14. You might be familiar with this passage in Isaiah 14, how thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cast down to the ground which should weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So this word Lucifer, Lucifer is actually from the, uh, the Latin word for morning star. So when Lucifer kind of got put in the King James Version here, it came from the Latin Vulgate, when they transfer morning star uh, as, as the word Lucifer. Now, if you look at other uh, translations, if you look at the New American Standard, that word Lucifer there will say star of the morning. And if you look at ASV or ESV, it's going to call it the day star, another word for Venus. So when he talks about this passage, a lot of people say, well, that's contradictory. How can you say that this is Lucifer and that this is Jesus. You know, the Bible contradicts itself. But I think you're missing the point of the passage here when we read this. You know, Isaiah wrote this. Uh, this is a poem that Isaiah wrote. And in this poem, I look at it as kind of like, a, for lack of a, of a nicer way to say it, like a diss track to all pagans in the world. He pulls out all of these references to different pagan ideologies, and he pulls them into this passage. And whenever he talks about the morning star, it's very likely that Isaiah was referencing uh, one of the Babylonian gods. We're talking about Babylonian captivity time here. Isaiah talked a lot about the Babylonian captivity. As we talk about that, uh, the Babylonians had a god called Marduk. And Marduk was what was known the star. So they look up and they see the star. That's our god. That's Marduk is what the people of Babylon would say. Now, when Babylon was a small nation, Marduk was not particularly a special god. But as they began to grow and grow, a lot of their, um, a lot of their stories grew as well. This was a god of the Greeks and everything as well. Um, and, and so uh, the god of Marduk in Babylonian mythology, uh, he kind of became a god that tried to be god over all gods. And there's some stories you can read uh, online that people have been telling since the time of the Babylonians that uh, this god rose up and he sought to make himself the god above all of the gods in Babylon, and he was successful in doing that. So whenever he talks about this, he's talking to these folks of Babylon as well, saying, you think you're this great morning star, you think you're the sun of the morning, you think you're the god of gods, but what's the ultimate end there? It says you'll be brought down to hell in the sides of the pit. You know, he makes some other references here too. Uh, when he talks about... Uh, for thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into the heavens. That's a direct quote from Genesis. When we talk about the Tower of Babel being built, they thought that they could be God. They could reach heaven, and they were torn down. They were made humble. He says, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. That mountain is really referring to uh, uh, the Mount Zaphon, which was a, a Canaanite it's kind of like Mount Olympus for the Canaanites. Mount Olympus to the Greeks is Mount Zaphon to uh, the Canaanites. So again, this pagan place is a dwelling place of gods. He says, you say you're there, but you're just being cast down into hell instead of that mount of congregation. 
It's very powerful. You can dig into all these statements and see the ties to, to pagan ideology, but ultimately what he's saying here is that you claim to be son of the morning, you claim to be this great star, you, you, you claim to be the god of all gods, however you are to be cast into hell. That's all you have. You're a false god. You know, we still see this today, why uh, you see a pentagram, think of that being as a sign of Satan, that comes from this passage, and uh, you can see a star being used as symbols for many things, but this is a stolen symbol from God. This morning star is a symbol of Jesus. And this guy, this Babylonian god, is trying to steal that. All these pagan gods, they may claim to be that morning star, but they are not. Jesus is the true God. That's the message he's trying to send here. And those will fall. I think it's also interesting in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 19, a couple verses after that, talking about the same people here. It says, But thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch, and as a raiment of them that are slain, thrust into with the sword, that go down to the stones of the pit, as a carcass trodden under feet. It's pretty gruesome stuff here as you read through Isaiah 14, if you want to read in that more. But I think it's interesting here in the beginning of verse 19 that they mention specifically, you are cast out like an abominable branch. Don't be confused with that branch from David, the root of Jesse and uh, the root of David and the branch of David. Don't be confused with that one. You are a branch that is cast out. It's interesting how uh, he makes sure to deny this prophecy, doesn't he? When Jesus says, I am from David, I'm the root and the branch of David, and I'm the morning star. I think he's really knows, he knows Isaiah 14, and he knows that this is not, that's a false God. I am the branch, I'm the holy branch, and I am the, not just the morning star, but the bright and morning star, he says. He says I am the bright and morning star. What a powerful image. You know, it's not uncommon. Uh, I guess it is somewhat uncommon, but there are other times in the Bible where you see the same image being used for the devil and for Jesus as well. Just think about lions. You know, there, there are times like in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 where they say, beware, because the devil is walking about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. So whenever he talks about the devil being a lion there, he's talking about the devil's uh, hunger and seeking to devour the fierceness of the devil as compared to the fierceness of a lion. But also in Revelation chapter five, we see Jesus called the lion of Judah. You know, we see lion as a, and, and that moment as a king, as a leader, as strength. So you see those images can be used in different ways. But uh, just because it says the morning star and, and that's transferred as Lucifer does not mean that that's the same thing, that the Bible is contradicting. What that means is that People have always been trying to take Jesus' place, haven't they? People have always been trying to invent gods, to raise themselves up higher than they should be. And the message that Jesus is saying is everyone's going to try to do that, but it means nothing. They have no power. They have no authority. I have all power, and I have all authority. He's encouraging his people, telling him, I have all the power. I have all the authority. I am the bride and morning star. He's no imposter. And he knows that, and he wants his people to know that as well. Now, this isn't the only place in the scriptures that Jesus is referred to as a star. We know the star was above him as he was born. We know he calls himself the bright and morning star here. We see it other places in uh, the scriptures as well. In Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth, 
You'll find here and in all these other examples, we see when he's referred to as a star, when we see that image being produced, it's God's people being oppressed and God trying to encourage his people and to give them hope. This star is a symbol of hope to God's people. In Luke chapter 1, verse 78, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. You know, this is Zacharias's prophecy here when he talks about the day spring. That's another word for the day star or the morning star. He's talking about this hope that is given to God's people, this hope that's given to God's people through Jesus. A beautiful thing that he prophesies there. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, now thinking about 2 Peter, when you look at 2 Peter, um, or when we look at 1 Peter, what do you read? You read a lot about a lot of persecution, and you read about a lot of hurting. And even talks about in 1 Peter, they, that's where we get the fiery trials. That's what we're talking about when we talk about 1 Peter. And how does he start 2 Peter? In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, we have also more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well, that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. He says, we hold out hope, this light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawn, till the new beginning here, and the day star arises in your hearts. You're focused on that new beginning. Have that day star in your heart, it says, looking onto the day dawning new. It's a, it's a fresh start. It's saying, okay, I know there are a lot of struggles here right now. I know there are a lot of bad things happening, but focused on that day star, focused on Jesus, we can see the hope of things to come. We can see the dawn coming. We can see the change coming, and we know that he has the power to do that change. We know how he has the authority to do that Peter used this image just like many of the prophets did, and just as Jesus referred to himself in that way. Also in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Another prophecy of that star when Jesus was born. You see, I, I, I think we can read a lot of passages about the light and, and knowing Jesus calls himself the light. And I think that this is kind of a next level on top of that. You know, we are called to be lights in the world, but this is, this is a next level. This is the star. This is set by God in the heavens as a symbol to us. This is something that's set forth as a hope to us as his people, an expression of God's power. Jesus is that light for us. Jesus is that star. Now, in this particular message, he's talking again to people who are about to be in Babylonian captivity, people at a very low point, and he gives them hope by referring to this star. He gives them that hope and peace. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 26, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I receive my Father, and I will give him the morning star. This morning star is a promise from God, isn't it? 
This morning star is an inheritance to God's people. He's talking about Jesus here. I will give them Jesus, them that overcome, them that keep my words unto the end. He says, I'm going to give them power. I'm going to give them rule. And I'm going to give them this morning star. What a blessing that he offers God's people. This people who feel like they're barely making it. These people who are struggling, but know that God is on their side. And he encourages them with this uh, speaking of the morning star. He's speaking to one of the churches in particular here in Revelation chapter 2. Now, whenever I think about this, I, you know, thinking about Jesus saying this, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things of the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Think about Jesus. He's owning this. He's saying, this is who I am. What does that mean to us today? What is he trying to tell us? What was he trying to tell his church who was struggling at the time? I think the first thing he was saying is that God's word is true and it can be trusted. He's saying, you know the prophecies. I know that you guys have read those things. I know you know the promises of God. And when he says that he is the root and the offspring, he's saying those things have come true. Those prophecies came true. God's promises have been made and they always come true. You can trust in the word of God. He's providing his people in a time of hardship. Look to the word of God and trust in that word. I'm the proof, he says. Jesus says, I am the proof that the word of God is true. Look at me. Look at the star and know that the word of God is true. He's encouraging his people to to know the word of God is true and it can be trusted. We need to know that the word of God is true and can be trusted. And when we find ourselves in doubt, we can look to Jesus and see the proof. We can look at the prophecies and see what Jesus has done and see the proof. We can look in the sky and maybe not in Houston, but we can go somewhere with clear skies and we can look up and we can see the proof. He's been set there as a symbol to us. He's been set there for us. What's the second thing I think that he's trying to portray to his church when he says these things? Is that God wants his people to be faithful, doesn't he? He said earlier there in Revelation chapter 2 that to those who endure, he's going to give the bride and morning star. That's a, it's a gift given from God to his faithful people, isn't it? And he focuses on my, faith, my people being faithful. God desires for us to be faithful to him, to be a part of that inheritance and that gift that he's, that he's given us. And if we're not faithful to him, that doesn't show the message that God overcomes all, does it? When we're faithful to him, we show that we trust in God and he takes care of us. When we trust in God and do what he says, we are glorified with him in eternity. That's the message that God wants to show. He wants his people to be faithful. And he wants this uh, star to be a symbol, last of all, of hope for his people. God wants his people to be a hopeful people. He wants his people, when they feel down, to have something to look towards, to have hope for a better day. And he provides that hope for us through Jesus. Look to Jesus, and we can see the new day coming. When we look to eternity, it's only a hopeful message if we have Jesus, isn't it? We have to have Jesus to have that hope of everlasting life. And and whenever I think about that, I just think about each morning as the sun rises, looking to Jesus. And we're called to do that. Many times we... We give, our, uh, we give the advice that, you know, praying first thing in the morning and reading the scripture first thing in the morning. You know, God embedded that as well with the star in the morning saying, look to Jesus, there's new opportunities. Each day, we have a fresh start. We have the grace of God 
who covers our sins. And each day we commit ourselves to God and say, God, today I'm going to be hopeful in you. Today I'm going to live a life full of hope, not a life that's overwhelmed, but a life full of hope, a life focused on your word, a life that's focused on following your ways. Today I commit to do that. He gives us that message. And as the sun rises and the days begin, we have that opportunity to do that. Each day we remember Jesus. We remember the sacrifice he gave to us. We remember the opportunity he gives us and the hope that he gives us in our life. And we also know, looking to Jesus, that we have a great day coming, much greater than tomorrow morning. Maybe it is tomorrow morning, we don't know. But we have that great last day where we'll be reunited with him, where he will come, where he will come, and we will be gathered together with him and his angels. What a blessing that that day is coming. And we really can't say any better than what he says in Revelation chapter 22. Let's read this. After the passage we just read, I, Jesus, have sent mine angels, and the words of Jesus are in, in yellow here. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bride and morning star and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that athirst come. And whoever will take him in the water of life freely. What is the message he gives? He says, you see the truth, don't you? You see the prophecies being fulfilled. You see Jesus glorified, sitting on the throne. You see Jesus, the bright and morning star. And what is our response? There's no response but to come to him. There's no response but we that are seeking, that are thirsty, that are seeking for that living water to come to him. That's the only thing that we can do. If we hear this message, what can we do but come to Jesus? That's what he says. He says, we must come. Think about your heart today. Have you come to Jesus? That's the only response that can be, uh, uh, it's just the only response we can have to the glory of God, to the glory of what Jesus has done. If we truly believe that he is what he says he is here, that if we truly believe that he's the root and the offspring of David, the bride and morning star, how can you not come to him? How can you not glorify him? He says, that's what we do. We come. In verse 18, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from the things which are written in this book. He says, what is written is important, isn't it? We're not adding to it. We're not taking away from it. But this is what you need. You need to come to Jesus. These things are what you need. In verse 20, he which testifieth these things saith, surely I come quickly. The last words that Jesus spoke in the Bible, the last words he says here, surely I come quickly. Amen. He says, come Lord Jesus. Come Jesus. Now we as believers in Christ anticipate that day, don't we? You know, Peggy just passed away, and a lot of people, um, you know, were talking about that, and she was not fearful, and she was excited, and they'd been talking about those things just weeks before, and she was excited and said, well, how can you be excited for that day? See, he was excited here. He said, even so, come, Jesus, come, whenever, whenever you're ready, come, he says. I've come to him. I have that hope set before me. Surely, he says, I come quickly. Jesus said, I'm coming quickly. The grace and the Lord of our Christ be with you all. Amen. Until he comes, grace be with you. Understand that we're going to fall short. We're going to have hard times. But the grace of Jesus is with you. We can look to him for our hope. We know the day is coming. 
and it's coming quickly. He says, surely I come quickly. As we go from this place this morning, I want you to remember the words of Jesus. Remember that he is who he says he is. He has the power. He has all the glory. He is the God of all gods. He's the king of all kings. And he has said, I'm coming back quickly. We need to remember that. We need to hasten that day. We need to be excited and say, okay, Lord, come. And if you haven't come to him yet, come to him today. It's the only thing we can do when we're faced with such majesty, with such glory. We see Jesus sitting there on the throne of God. We must come to him. We must come to him and worship him and anxiously await that day. When you think about the story of Jesus this season, and you think about the star being above him, think about the hope that Jesus has. As you see the sunrise every morning, try to see if you can see Venus and, and think about the hope that there's a new day starting today. If you're having problems right now, you can come to God and he can give you a new day tomorrow. You can start fresh. If you're struggling as a Christian, you can come to him in prayer, ask for the help of your brethren here, and you can have a new day, a new life, a new hope. All those things God has given to us as a gift, and we're faithful to him. He's given us this bright and morning star. I encourage you this morning, if you find yourself in either of those cases, please come forward as we sing the song of invitation.